You are listening to Concert Blast. Here are some clips from this show of Concert Blast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's a bad day in Memphis. Thunderstorms, tornado warnings, it's rain like all get out. It cleared up for the show, and this guy comes all the way from Nashville with his boots on and his raincoat on, and he, and he gets Michael McDonald and all these great stars for an interview. Uh, I looked at the internet yesterday. It was so many distribution companies. It was real strange. I, I even got a, a record review out of Tokyo. You know what it said? What is that? What? No, don't, don't. <laughs> You took that out of my mouth. I was going to say Woodstock, and that was the hype. Because I, that's my first job, and the first time I'd seen that many people, and the first time I had to play in front of them. Wow. But, it, but it was great. We got over our butterflies, and Jimmy Hendrix is wise. No, some people kept people kind of giggling out front there, and I didn't know what was going on. Finally, a guy come running up the center aisle and reached down and made a made a gesture like he was zipping up his pants. And I looked down; I was standing there with my my pants open, you know. So I think the biggest hand I got on that was when I reached down and zipped my pants up. Well, I love Tommy. We've been riding together, and it was only right that we we had a show together. I just have to say, uh, I've given that phone number out so many times: eight six seven five three zero nine. I decided uh, this winter to learn to play guitar finally, so I went out with a trio with no lead guitar. And I played great all night till I got to the solo of Jenny. I cannot play that solo. <laughs> hey, this is Tommy Tutone, and you're listening to Concert Blast. My name is Charlotte Medley, and you are listening to Concert Blast. Hey, this is Nate Willard from Memphis, Tennessee. You're listening to Concert Blast. Right on. This is Billy Cox, and you're listening to Concert Blast. Hey, y'all, this is Charlie Daniels, and you're listening to Concert Blast. Let her rip. Hey, everybody, you're listening to Concert Blast, and this is George Klein at Graceland, Elvis' is home in Memphis, Tennessee. Oh, I see. See, see, right up. Oh, see. What you have done. I said, see. See, see, right up. Oh, see. What you have done. How can you make me love you? No, no, no. Your loving man has gone. Hi, and welcome to Concert Blast. This is Mike Arnold. The rest of the guys aren't with me on this show, although you'll hear them throughout the show, because uh, what we're doing here, posting up several interviews together with George Klein, Nate Whitlock, Billy Cox, Charlie Daniels, Tommy Tutone, and Charlotte Medley. We're going to start off with the uh, couple of interviews that I had in Memphis in May. And what we're going to do here is going to start off with George Klein. Now, those who aren't familiar with George Klein, he is a uh, longtime DJ in the Memphis, Tennessee area. He's also on satellite radio. He also has a television program in the Memphis, Tennessee area, having a talk show discussion with uh, Memphis musicians. George has helped me a lot in the Memphis in May by inviting me backstage and introducing me to several different people. Now, George is also one of Elvis Presley's longtime friends. They knew each other from the childhood days, went to high school together. Well, George went into radio, Elvis went into music, and the two became longtime friends even after high school because of this relationship. If you like Elvis Presley and you love the stories, you will love this interview with George Klein in Memphis in May.
We're backstage here in Memphis in May. Jerry Lee Lewis just walked off the stage. George Klein's invited me backstage, and we're going to talk to George about his new book that came out of probably about six weeks ago. You said George? Yeah, it's called Memphis. Uh, my it's called it's called Elvis, my best man. Got Memphis on my mind with this music fest here. But yeah, Elvis, my best man. About six weeks ago, Random House doing really well. It's an unusual book. Because I not only talk about my life with Elvis, but I talk about my career in broadcasting and my career in radio and television and the things that I did. I weave that in, and then, then it eases into uh, me and Elvis, and it's pretty good. How long did it take you to write that? Two years. I had a co-writer, and we worked about 10 hours a week for two years on the book, and we had to rewrite, rewrite, and all that stuff. But I wanted to get it right. The thing that I wanted to do was not sugarcoat anything. I had to discuss a lot of heavy subjects, but I did it with class, and I embarrassed nobody in the book, and it's what everybody says anyway, and they like the fact that I didn't go after so much Elvis, the jumpsuit guy, I went after Elvis, the man. So the friend that you knew as you grew up, didn't y'all go to the same high school? High school together, 1948, Hume Sci, music class, first met, bonded. Elvis brought his guitar to school that day and sang, and I was taken back because I'd never seen a 12-year-old, 1948 sing and play guitar at the same time and from that moment on we were friends all the way through high school we got out of high school our senior year rather we had a talent show and he won the talent show and i was president of senior class so i helped produce the show and from that moment on i said you know maybe he's got a chance you know and he had a, he had a big chance so i went in broadcasting after high school elvis went into recording so we had a lot in common he i'd be on the air he'd drop by my radio show and we'd talk and i'd go hang out with him at night and when i lost my job once they called me in and said george we don't think this rock and roll thing it's going to be a lasting affair. We think it's just a fad. we got to let you go. Well, the next day, Elvis said, why weren't you on the radio? I told him he laughed. He said, well, you're employed now. I said, what? He said, you're going to travel with me. So for the next two years, I traveled with him all across America, went to all the big cities. And Wait a minute. What year was this? Well, he went in the Army in 1958, so it was, it was 1957 to 1958 and a half. Right. He got a deferment because he made the movie King Creole, so he really didn't go in the Army until about late 58. Oh, okay. So I traveled with him. I was in eight of his movies. What uh, did you do in his movies? Just in the background, just what they call a silent bit. Yeah. You, you can see me in Jailhouse Rock. That was the first movie I worked in with him. But the movie that I had a line in was Elvis on tour. Yeah. When Elvis was on the road, they're doing a musical documentary. I was signing on there at my station at that time, WHBQ, and I coined the phrase, here's my man, Elvis himself was with suspicious minds. Hit it, E. And, and, and they, they put that clip in the uh, Elvis on tour, and they re- they're releasing that now with some extra footage. Oh, I love that song, by the way. Yeah. That's a great song. I, I suggested Elvis to record that song. Did you oh, yeah. Mark James and I, who wrote the song, we were co-writers at American. We'd written about ten songs together. The biggest thing we wrote, we wrote Ronnie Millsap's first chart record called Love and You is a Natural Thing. And from that moment on, Mark James went off and let me. He was, he was just a genius of a writer. He wrote Hooked on a Feeling, Eyes of a New York Woman. He wrote Moody Blue, Always on My Mind. Great writer. He won a Grammy for Always on My Mind. The song had been presented to Elvis at the session, and it, it somehow or another had got lost. And on the last day of the session, I went to Elvis and said, Elvis, you know, can I make a suggestion? He said, yeah. I said, I think we forgot Suspicious Minds. And he said, that's right. Let's go and do it. In <laughs> two cuts, they had it down. Really? It's his biggest selling record. It sold about 18. Is it the biggest selling? I yeah, know. I think it sold about 18 million, yeah. Because that's my favorite favorite song of his. Great song, yeah. yeah. Great song, Suspicious Minds. I, I, it's one of my three favorites. I like how great they are. Don't be cruel and suspicious minds. Oh, yeah. man.
but the trilogy in concert when he used to do that. Oh yeah, all that together, it's just like yeah. it better bring chills down. It certainly does with that big American flag. Yeah. And all that. yeah. Out of all the Elvis's movies that you've seen, known about being in, whatever, which one of those is your favorite? King Krill, because. Elvis had his best director, he had Michael Curtis, who had worked with Humphrey Bogart in Casablanca. He had his best supporting cast, he had Vicky Morrow in the movie, he had uh, Walter Matthau, Shirley Jones, he had some great actors, great director, good songs. The reason I picked that out, you can notice this, if you ever seen Key Krill, he really is acting, and because he said, guys, he said, you know, we fool around between takes on movie sets, he said, but I'm going in the army right after this picture. I don't know if rock and roll music's going to be around after I get out of the army so maybe I'll have a movie career so I'm going to give it my all in this movie King Creole and he did and I think the critics accept that as his best acting performance ever now let me ask you this there's been a lot of movies about Elvis's life and the different people who've played Elvis which one of those are your favorite? Kurt Russell. I'm with you, buddy. 79. I, I, I was a technical advisor on that picture. Really? And, and I told Dick Clark, I said, man, he don't look anything like Elvis. GK, he said, but he's done his homework, and he's got the moves down, he's got the mannerisms down, and we're going to make him up to look a little like Elvis. Yeah. And so he did. I thought Kurt Russell did a marvelous job. I love the beginning of the movie. Mystery Boom! Yeah. <laughs> Shoot the TV out. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody comes running in. Yeah. Were you in any of those situations? Uh, no, I never saw him shoot a television out, but he did it several times. It was no big deal. It became a fun thing, you know. <laughs> like people throw out things and trash yeah. the room. Right, right. That was That's his right. deal, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now, we've talked enough about that. Let's talk about you. I was in uh, Memphis in May when we were covering the show, and I first met you, I think it was 2007. Uh, you were telling us about the TV show, and then the next day I saw it on television here in Memphis. Tell us about that. That's right. It's a it's a TV show called Memphis Sounds with George Klein. It's on every day. It's a 30-minute talk show. The set looks like the Jay Leno or Conan O'Brien set. It, it's a desk and chairs. We do it backwards. By that, I mean the artists don't perform, and then I interview them. I interview them first, and then they perform a little bit from some of their records. I'll be like be talking to, say, uh, Bobby Blue Blam. We'll get some old video, and we put the show together. They'll cut some of him in singing but it's mainly an interview show and I've had everybody on from Justin Timberlake to Bobby Blue Bland you know you can almost name all the entertainers in Memphis Isaac Hayes Rufus Thomas Carla Thomas they've all been on my show I saw a clip of uh, Red West on your show oh that was a good clip now yeah. that was on my Elvis special every August we do an Elvis special and I try to round up some of Elvis's guys you know or somebody associated with him and uh, Red West who's developed into a real good actor he did a nice bit on that show for me. You do Sirius Radio still? Yes, I'm on Sirius XM, and it's called Channel 13. Is Sirius 18 is XM. Mm -hmm. I've been on there five years now. I do a live broadcast from Graceland oh. from 2 to 6 every Friday. It's a lot of fun because I don't have to follow a format. I have my own format. They let me talk as much as I want to. I do a lot of phone interviews, and people drop by that are in town. And That's what I was talking to Michael McDonald about tonight. He's going to come by next time he's in town and do the show. But it's a show that goes nationwide on Channel Channel 13 Sirius, Channel 18 XM, Satellite Radio, goes all across America, all across Canada, and parts of the world via the Internet. When I'm on there, it's weird. I get an email from Moscow. I get an email from London, one from Acapulco, and I answer their Elvis questions. I play a lot of Elvis music, and I, and I share my Elvis stories with them. The stories that are in my book, Elvis, My Best Man, I told them on that show. Yeah, you used to hang out at Graceland? 
I hung out at Grayson quite a bit. I had entree to come anytime I wanted. But I would say that when Elvis was in town, out of a seven-day week, I was out there at least three or four nights, yeah. I love uh, going out there. We went out there a couple of years ago. They invited us to come out. Oh, all right. Yeah, and uh, they said the first time, just come on out and just get the feel because we'd never been there. We got the feel. I said, we got to do some kind of interviews here, do something here. That's a great idea that you're doing that on Friday. Yeah, we do that. It's on the Elvis channel, which has Elvis music 24-7. But I do a special show. And on that Friday show, they do a unique thing. They record the show. And then it's called Monday night. They do a a replay. It's called GK Replay on Monday night from 7 to 11. Then they play it early Wednesday morning from, uh, I think, 2 a.m. to 6 a.m. to catch the East Coast. And then I do a show called the Elvis Hour. Mm-hmm. It's a one-hour show about Elvis I've been doing for 32 years. And when I went over to Sirius, I brought it with me. It's Sunday morning and Sunday night. It's a one-hour show of interviews, facts about Elvis, my stories, different things like that. What else is going on? I mean, it's like your schedule is bumper to bumper here. Yeah. You, I mean, you got you got the radio, you got the television. When do you do your tapings on your television? Uh, we tape the first Friday of every month. We, we stay a month in advance ahead of time. It takes me about two weeks to line up all the talent. Talent's not easy to get when you've been on there five years and you know because you have to start repeating it i didn't want to repeat it for a while and then i found out that uh leno and, and letterman they repeat that about every oh, yeah. two years well, everybody's career changes see yeah, it's exactly right. yeah. so uh, i do that and uh, the show's got a lot of attention locally and the first people to zero in on the show were people in the music business in memphis they liked it because i dug up like fluke holland uh johnny cash's drummer oh, i drug up marshall grant johnny cash's bass player oh, yeah. lives in right about 50 miles from memphis and they all came in and did my show and so i'm really getting to the roots of what Memphis music was about, and, yeah. and the entertainers and the singers and the pickers, they all love that. That's wonderful. George, let's talk about your book one more time. My book is just out for six weeks now. It's called Elvis, My Best Man. Random House is a publisher out of New York. It's doing very well. It's my life story with Elvis. Uh, we met in 1948 until he died in 1977. And Elvis was a best man at my wedding. Threw the wedding party for me. Best man picked up the entire tab. Great pictures, and they're all in the book. The book is doing very well. As I said, it's available at all the major bookstores around the country, especially in Nashville. They've got it at the airport, I understand, in Nashville. But also you can order it off Amazon.com. Just type in uh, Elvis, my best man, and they'll bring it up to you. Thank you so much, George, for talking to me. And next time we're in town, we got to be on your show. Okay. <laughs> don't quit sending me those emails, man, because you keep me up to date. <laughs> That's right. Same with you, buddy. Hey, and you can also catch some clips of George's show on YouTube or on some other online channels, right? Also, did I tell you about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Yeah. Tell our audience. Okay, tell that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen listening to me, I'm George Klein. And when Elvis was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, I was lucky enough, the dream of my life, I accepted Elvis's award into the Rock and Roll of Fame. It was the very first induction. It was Jerry Lee, Chuck Berry, Sam Cooke, Little Richard, James Brown, Ray Charles, Everly Brothers. They were all there. And Elvis was the last one. And I got to go up and accept his award and make a speech. And as I said, I got lucky that night. And I was really on. And I made a speech. And I'd like you to check it out. You simply go to Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on the internet and type in Elvis Presley, George Klein, K-L-E-I-M. And it'll bring it up. You can watch my speech. It only runs about five minutes. I'm definitely going to do that, George. 
And I got to check out your book too, man. You'll like, you'll like you'll like the book. It's easy reading. It's as though I'm talking to you. And as I said, I I concentrate on Elvis the man as opposed to Elvis the entertainer. You know. Right. Yeah. Right. Now you've heard me just talk so much about my own book that I have come out, which mentioned George. But now I'm going to push George's book. So you guys, not only look at my book, but look at George's book. We'll have a link on that, okay, George? Okay, well, I tell you what, if you can't make it over, my phone number is on that card I gave you. Yeah. You call me. And I'm going to interview you on my serious radio show, oh, okay. and Sirius XM, and we'll plug your book. There you What's go. What's the title of it? It's Concert Blast Experiences. Oh, yeah, that's the name yeah. of your show. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's you right. You must have a million interviews, man. <laughs> we got a bunch. And you talk, like you said, getting uh, emails from around the world. We got fans in, in London, Australia, Sweden. I mean, we get them from all over the place. And too. I'll tell you why, because you're out here beating the bushes. It's a, Ladies and gentlemen, it's a bad day in Memphis. Thunderstorms, tornado warnings. It's rain like all get out. It cleared up for the show, and this guy comes all the way from Nashville with his boots on and his raincoat on, and he, and he gets Michael McDonald and all these great stars for an interview. Yeah, and thanks to you for helping me too, man. You got me backstage here now. It all worked out, and thank you so much for being on our show. I really appreciate you. You're a great guy. Thank you, Thank you, George Klein. We can't go on together with suspicious After George left the backstage trailer in Memphis in May, while Michael McDonald was about ready to take the stage, Nate Whitlock was back there, and I had the opportunity to talk with Nate Whitlock. Now, to introduce you to Nate Whitlock, he is the brother of Bobby Whitlock from Derek of the Dominoes, Eric Clapton, and uh, I think he played with the Rolling Stones. Nate is actually from a uh, small town outside of Memphis, Tennessee. Nate and Bobby are. They probably call Memphis their hometown. Nate is one funny guy. He has a new CD out simply called Nate Whitlock. A great musician. He's a guitarist, singer, songwriter. He just put out his first CD, although he's been in the music business for a long time. You will definitely enjoy the humor of Nate Whitlock. Also backstage at Memphis in May, and we come across a guy named Nate Whitlock. Hey, Nate. Hey, how you doing? How's everybody out there in Nashville and Radio Land? <laughs> you may or may not have heard of Nate, but you, I know you've heard of his brother, Bobby Whitlock. And also, Nate's got a CD out. Oh, yeah. We'll just put this out. Selecto Hits and Ice House Records. 25 international distributors picked up on my record. I'm all over the world now. Was well, the United States, but, man, I'm getting stuff from UK to Czechoslovakia. Slovakia, Finland, uh, Amsterdam. They call me Big Nate in Amsterdam. You know, so. it's, it's getting there, man. I'm the king of rockabilly in Memphis right now. Oh, is that what this is? Rockabilly music? It's from straight ahead rock and roll, but yeah, I'm uh, I'm right out of the heart and soul and the blood of uh, 706 Union Avenue. You know, that's right where all them guys walked in, and that flows through my veins now. I love the cover of this. It's uh, Telecaster here. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah. My, that's my, my axe. One of them right there anyways it's a pure memphis record but i mean cut down in ardent all the pickers are from memphis and i play all the lead and wrote the songs and everything goes with it my production company and, and record companies out of memphis and 
You know, it's rolling. Have you played with any top names? Dee Clark, the Diamonds, Sam the Sham. Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs! Bully Bully! Rufus Thomas. Uh, I played for my brother for a long time. Your brother? Yeah, yeah I played uh, Ronnie Hawkins. I was played with Ronnie. Uh, Who do you love? Let's see. Black Oak, Arkansas. You what? Uh, uh, Jim Dandy? Uh, hot and nasty. <laughs> you had a call me. <laughs> Walk through the halls, baby. I mean, uh, uh, just the who's who of, of Memphis musicians that had a gold record and kept on working. I played for them all. You know, once a once my brother he paved the path for me, and uh, I, I was the ultimate sideman guitar player for a long time. And then it went to me writing songs and getting my own record deal. And next thing you know, it's just laying in my lap. I'm waiting on January. That's when the quarters finals come up. They're setting me up a uh, European ten day concert venue thing over there oh, because of, I'm selling a bunch of records over there. So here wow. we are. CDs now, record. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, you mean those big CDs that big, melt in the yeah. sun? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you had to put like something on it. Go, I used to put a, a, a dime, a quarter is what I used to and, and a penny, and I take them and put them on there to keep it down there. And then as time went on, I'd add more money. You know. Yeah. <laughs> Nate Whitlock. Man. Yeah, you can look at me. I'm, I'm on Amazon. I, I looked at the internet yesterday. It was so many distribution companies. It was real strange. I, I even got a, a record review out of Tokyo. You know what it said? What did it say? What? No, I don't know, man. I got one in France once, and the guy handed me the review. And I looked at it, and it was all in French. I, went, I don't know what this thing is. I could read my name. I mean, I even read my name in Russian, you know, and, and all the rest. But they give me three and a half stars, three stars, three and a half stars for unknown artists, you know. That's that's hitting there. So all right. hey, it's rolling down the road, man. Uh, all you got to do is just punch up Nate Whitlock and hit search. And it, it talks about my entire career, not only my guitar and singing career, but I, I'm in show business, you know, entertainment business. and been in there for a long time. Yes, you have. It runs in the family, huh? Yeah, that's it. Started when I was a kid and 16 years old. My brother had a hit record and he pulled through Millie. What was that? What was that? Layla. <laughs> Have you heard of that? Anybody out there ever heard of that song? How did he hook up with Eric Clapton though? Bobby was the first white male vocalist on Stax Records and that was in 67. And then Delaney and Bonnie came to town, oh, and, yeah. and, and Bobby got, he was the first member of that group, and they were on Stax too. Uh-huh. From there, they went to California. Delaney and Bonnie went on European tour, uh, and then George Harrison, Eric Clapton, they, they jumped on the bus. And then when that group broke up, Eric said, Hey, Bobby, you, the bass player and the drummer, and Dwayne Allman, here we go. And so that's uh, started Derek and the Dominoes. Oh wow, that's awesome! You know, it, it hadn't stopped for Bobby. He's in he's in Austin right now. <laughs> that's incredible. <laughs> he come in Millington. I was in, in about tenth, eleventh grade, and uh, he says, "Look, man," he said, "Do you want to stay here in Millington, or do you want to get in the truck? I can't guarantee you'll make a bunch of money. But we're gonna have a good time." I said, "Well, <laughs> you know where I went? I got on that. I got in that truck blowing here, and ain't stopped rolling since." You had uh, so many things to do. I love. Sam the Sham and the Pharaohs. I was a Pharaoh. What yeah. was the other one? Uh, red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood. Little Red Riding Hood. You 
sure is looking good to me. I love that. I loved all their songs. That was so much fun. I did more than just play guitar for Sam. Sam was a captain on a crew boat. All right. And he worked oil rigs. We would take supplies. I was his deckhand on his crew boat. And we'd go on the Gulf of Mexico where they're having the oil spill right now, the exact spot. And we would work out the tunes. I'd do the roughneck thing for a while, then we'd get off the boat, and then we'd go on the road and play some gigs, you know. So that's how it went with Sam. I mean, there's probably 15 other people I've played with that just, you know, hit me pretty quick, you know. So it takes a while to formulate all that, you know. Wow, that's great. Well, good luck on your European tour that's coming up. Man, I sure do appreciate it. And everybody, make sure you check out. I'll put a link on our website of uh, Nate Whitlock and his uh, CD. What's the name of this car? That's what I thought. It's my first. My brother put out his first solo record after all the Derek and Dominoes and the the Rolling Stone stuff. And his first solo record was just Bobby Whitlock. And I said, well, heck, I'm going to put my first solo record out. It's just going to be Nate Whitlock. There you go. (laughs) Good luck to you on your sales and good luck to you on your playing live. Appreciate it a lot. All right, man. Feel the fire same way that I do. You feel the fire my flames are burning burning, burning Our next interview that's coming up is going to be a couple from the Musicians Hall of Fame ceremony. What happens at the Musicians Hall of Fame ceremony is they gather all the media together in a room and all the friends. They honor the musicians who are about to be inducted into the Musicians Hall of Fame. And they uh, talk about them and give them their award. They also uh, let the media talk to them. And so we had the opportunity to talk with Billy Cox, the bass player of Jimi Hendrix. And he's got some fun stories about Jimi Hendrix. And we also had the interview of Charlie Daniels. First up, Billy Cox. Concert Blast. We specialize on a lot of classic rock, so you're right up our alley on oh, this great, show. Oh, great, great, great. All right, other than Woodstock, what do you think is your most craziest experience on stage? I think you took it right out of my mouth. That would be that. Probably the Isle of Wight, because people don't notice Isle of Wight had maybe 200,000 more people than Woodstock had. Oh, oh yeah. But when we went on, it was the nighttime, and, you know, it was, you know, but those festivals, mega festivals, uh, they're hard to come by. Oh, yeah. But those are a great time, but you took that out of my mouth. I was going to say Woodstock, and that was the hype, because I, that's my first job, and the first time I've seen that many people, and the first time I had to play in front of them. Wow. But, uh, but it was great. We got over our butterflies, and Jimmy Hendrix is wise beyond his years. He said, look at all those people. He said, you know what we're going to do? We're going to take their energy. They give to us, and we're going to throw it back to them, and that's what we did. And, and we stayed there two hours. Did you really? Two hours of which. Now, was most of the people gone when y'all? No, no. You, when the movie, you'll see maybe 100,000 moved in this way. And yeah. maybe, maybe 500,000 left, but they never showed you. This side here was well, still a couple hundred thousand. Yeah. So tell us something about Jimmy that most people don't know about. What's so special about him? I don't know. He just had this this wisdom. Some a man wiser than me said that fate are the cards that you're dealt at birth, but destiny is what you do with those cards. That's right. So 
all. He took those those cards and bang, and he was, and he knew that he was destined for great, and he did. And a lot of times he was just, I maybe he was born too far ahead of his time because he knew things that a young man in his twenties was not supposed to know. And I said, where'd you get that? Where'd you? Who told you that? He said, I don't know. It just came to me. A young man in the army, and met in the army, hundred first airborne division, jumped out of airplanes for a living. That shows how crazy we were. And <laughs> we got discharged about the same time. Came to Clarksville, didn't make it. Wound up in Nashville. We did it, and we hung out for five years. I saw him put 25 years in a guitar in five years because it was a night and day, morning to night, of love affair. Oh, wow. And he did it. He really did it. And when he called me after he finally got to you, he said, "Look, this guy's gonna send me to Europe, make me a star." I said, "Jimmy, I fall on bad times. I'm renting an amp, got three strings on my bass, and the fourth one's tied with a square knot." He said, "Man, get back, Jake." He said, "Okay, I tell you what, I'm gonna make it, and I'll send to you." It took him two and a half years. Wow. Oh my goodness. Well, what's something about being in Nashville that really made a difference with Jimmy? Nashville at that time was a music city. You had WLAC, yes, which yeah. pumped out. Now he, oh man, I'm going to this the Halls Island and John Lynchburg, oh, a 50-watt clear channel. They didn't have as many uh, radio stations. Right. And he was in Seattle. I was in Wheeling, West Virginia. My father's a preacher, so only thing I could listen to was a crystal radio set with earphones. I plugged it on my, my bed springs, and first time I heard, WLAC, I'm down for Royal Crown. I said, I have found heaven. You like this, right? So anyhow, we got together in the military, and we had uh, similarities oh, of, of wow. the music. And that's One last question for you. What are you most thankful for? Right now, I'm thankful for still being here. Amen. That's the most important. I'm glad I'm here, man. I'm having the ball. Ain't you? Oh, I am. Yeah, I'm glad you're here with us. Like Charlie Dan, I'm going to steal from my buddy. I played a year with Charlie. It's a great, yeah. great, great to be alive in Tennessee. It is. Hey, thank you All so right, much. Care, Check out the show. All right. Take care, buddy. Maybe come and have me on one day. Charlie Daniels is actually a hometown boy for us, for Brian, Tom, and I. As we grew up in the Mount Juliet area, Charlie Daniels did too. <laughs> well, actually, he grew up in his musical career in the Mount Juliet area. You'll enjoy this short conversation with Charlie Daniels at the Musicians Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Now gather around, chill, and be down. Well, just get down, chill, and get loud. Well, you can be loud, yeah, and be proud. And you can be proud here and I'll be proud you will ever Because South's gonna do it again and again Hey Charlie! Three hey. Mount Juliet boys right hey. here! Hey. Absolutely! That's good, how you doing? Yeah. Yeah, we saw your show at Whitehorse recently, too. Great fun. show. That was. was. So tell us what it means to you to be inducted into this. Well, this is one that was voted on by peers, you know, by the membership of the American Federation of Musicians. And it's very special when the people who are in the same business that you are to kind of pat you on the back and say, you know, we're aware of you. We appreciate your work. We've heard what you've done, and we like it. That means a lot. I was just wondering. How, how has your life changed? We're going to go way back, okay? We saw you at Mount Juliet High School in like 1975, okay? How, how has your life changed for you other than 
you moved a little bit bigger place since then. My, when my son was going to high school, in fact, he did the same thing to junior high school. We used to play there. We did a concert every year there. Got a lot older, for one thing. <laughs> God has blessed me to be doing something that I love so very much for a living and being able to do it for over 50 years. I still love to entertain people. I'm still making records, playing shows, traveling. We've been out of the country a couple times this year, you know, and it's just, it's great. Well, we were noticing your belt buckle. How much has Jesus impacted your life? Well, I'm wearing the belt buckle around. There you go, brother. There you go. I, I try to strain everything I do through my Christianity. I'm, all, I'm not always successful. I, I get off the handle just like everybody else does. I get off message and I get off center and, and I, I mess up. But, you know, thank God he's a forgiving God. And uh, we had a Savior that died for us to have so our sins could be forgiven. But I, I, uh, I do try. I do try to be a Christian. Yeah. Tell us what you're most thankful for. Well, I'm thankful for Jesus Christ above everything else. I mean, I'm thankful that, that God made a way for us to, you know, to approach going to the very throne room of God. People used to couldn't do that. They had to go through a priest, and they could never walk into the Holy of Holies. But when when Christ died, that curtain was ripped, and it opened it up for us to come in and present our asking to God Almighty through His Son. And my wife, my son, my grandchildren, everything, everything that God has given me, every breath that I take, you know, every step that I walk, it's all a blessing, all a blessing. Out of all the shows you've done, can you mention something that really stands out, maybe an embarrassment on stage or something crazy that went around? Yeah, no, oh, that didn't take long, did it, Charles? I went on stage one night in uh, somewhere in Washington. State and um, I was stand up playing. I kept noticing people, kept people kind of giggling out front there, and I didn't know what was going on. Finally, a guy come running up the center aisle and reached down and made a made a gesture like he was zipping up his pants. And I looked down. I was standing there with my my pants open, you know. So I think the biggest hand I got all night was when I reached down and zipped my pants up. What's your favorite places to play? The big arena? We saw you in a stadium open for the Stones actually once, but uh, don't disseminate between the stages, whatever size it is or whatever it is. We we go in and do it. I mean, it's the same. The people will get the same. If we were doing a whole show here tonight, the people would get the same show here as they did if we were playing in front of. You know, we always. That's the way we do it. That's called entertainment. That's right. So one one place is no better than the other place. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, I like that. People ask me where I like to play. I tell them any place I can get grits for breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody else told me where I can get sweet tea without putting a sugar pack in it. There you go. There you go. Charlie, thank you so much. That's good. Thank you. Johnny, rise up your bow and play your fiddle hard. Cause hell's broke loose in Georgia and the devil deals the cards. And if you win, you get this shiny fiddle made of gold. But if you lose, the devil gets your soul. Coming up now is a couple of interviews. One with Tommy Two-Tone. If you remember Tommy Two-Tone from the uh, Genie Genie 8675309 big hit that he has, and everybody still remembers that song. Actually, this was taken last year, this interview was, as Brian, Tom, and I uh, met up with Tommy Two-Tone and Charlotte Medley at B.B. King's at one of their shows. We all wanted to see both of them, and it just so happened that they both fell on the same show on the same night. So we definitely made our trip downtown Nashville, Tennessee, to B.B. King's. Enjoy this interview, first of all, with Charlotte Medley, who has a CD out called The Fall, a wonderful song. We got to see her performance, and then we got to talk to her a little bit until the fans came and lined up around our table. 
which is fine because she's selling CDs. So enjoy this uh, conversation with Charlotte Medley. table no other than charlotte herself how you doing charlotte doing great thank you how are you pretty good i tell you what that song the fall is dynamite thank you very much she talks like a little girl out here but on stage she lets it rip doesn't she absolutely we were talking about how how much more power you seem to have live than you do on your recording i always said i was better live than memorex <laughs> so the fall has been out for how long now months. Really? It's been out that long? Okay. I'm working on a brand new album right now and uh, the fall was a launch pad for us to, you know, get the exposure and the right musicians and just the right setup. Yeah, where do you know these guys from, the musicians? Well, um, Lou Rodriguez uh, played with Neil McCoy for years, and I I was able to uh, stalk him for several years before he was able to join our band. And then uh, Ron Miller, same deal. We used to be in a band together. I sang back up about 10 years ago for uh, J.C. Jones, but he, had, he was on MCA Records and uh, kind of a Latino. I had the moves, and he had the song, and uh, we got the band, and I finally got his guitar player. <laughs> now, you've got some upcoming dates here. I was looking at, your, I think, your MySpace. It listed a few, but I'm not sure where they were at again. Yeah, um, our, our next show is uh, in Indiana, in Elizabethtown, Indiana, and we're a regular on the uh, Harris Casino uh, circuit. They love us, and uh, I get to keep the money because I'm not a gambler, but I'm a big fan of <laughs> getting paid. <laughs> so I don't blame you there. <laughs> They give you some good, really good rooms, too, right? I'm telling you, I had to check the mattress tag, and I almost took it, but there's that, you know, thing that says, if you take this mattress tag, you're going to jail. And So I just wrote it down, and I thought, this is the best mattress I've ever slept on. <laughs> wow. Well, I have to say, you did a great job out there. You, you definitely know how to bring the crowd in. It sounded great. Really. Thank you very much, and thank you guys so much for coming. I really appreciate it. Of course. Yeah. We've been trying to see you for about a year now, haven't we? Yes, I was stalking you as well. <laughs> Somehow we, we find each other, don't we? I, I'm a friendly stalker. <laughs> we run into each other all the time, but I tell you what, we've been wanting to see you perform, and today just everything worked out great. And it's great that you're having Tommy Tutone to play right behind you. Well, I love Tommy. We've been riding together, and it was only right that we, we had a show together. So I just have to say, uh, I've given that phone number out so many times, 8675309. You got some fans here. Right behind you. Yeah, autograph time. I love this. So Charlotte dumps our interview right in the middle of it, and all these people are lining up for autographs, and they see us at the table. Of course, that's what we're doing. That's what we get when we talk out in the crowd like this. That's right. When you get you get going, else everybody else wants to come around you. <laughs> and it's something. Uh, there's a line now, actually, and she's writing personal little notes to everybody too. This is great. That's very cool too. You know, you gotta love your fans. Isn't that cool? About great. When they want to do that, yeah, it's gotta make you feel good. Thank you again so much for coming. I had a great time. and Stick around for Tommy.
Next up was Tommy Two-Tone. Tommy Two-Tone was, uh, as you know, famous with Jenny Jenny 8675309. He talks about living in Nashville, moving away, and then coming back. So now he's back, and he's back into the music business, and I think you will enjoy this conversation with Tommy Two-Tone. stage and he came over to our table to join us. Hello, Tommy. Hello there. How you guys doing? I'm doing good, man. Pretty good set there. Soulful, huh? Did you like it? Oh, yeah. Of course. It's very good. I've always wanted to put a soul band together. You know, when I got I got signed about 1978, I was in a band. We played everything from soul to rockabilly. They made me get rid of the horns and play this. They try to go like this to you. Guitar I, rock. Yeah. So our whole thing now is trying to stretch out and do all the kinds of music we love. So we have a new record called Soul Twang that has some soul, some country, some rockabilly. So this, I thought it was cool how you did Jenny Jenny too. You know, adding the horns and everything like that and put that extra twang. Oh, that's yeah, good. That's funny. You can always hear it in tonight show, especially with the middle section. That's right. So let me ask you something about when you tell my Jenny just then, he said, What gave you the idea to do Santa Claus has come to town with that song? My bass player and I were look, we were looking for a Christmas song. And I I wrote one, and it was, but it was sad, unfortunately. And they said, "No, it's kind of a Christmas blues." We just came upon that one night, and we're just amazed how we made it fit together, especially the bridge. He sees you, and actually, we did a we did music discussions, and we did we always do a Christmas show. We started off with that, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I think it's going to last longer than Jenny. I I'm hoping that puts my grandchildren to college. That one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, I think I heard that the other night on a commercial. Did you? You know, several commercials or something? Yeah, there's a bunch of them out there using it. Yeah. The jingles, God love them. Now that there's no record sales. And... <laughs> sure. That's the truth. You've got some of your music for sale out front here. Is it, is it new music? Or... Oh, yeah. New music. I got a, a thing called Soul Twang, which is kind of the stuff I've been doing here since I moved back to Tennessee. Then I got my last rock and roll record out there. So you got a CD that you're selling here tonight. I just put it together for the fanfare. I brought a copy just for you. Oh, there you go. Hey, we'll take that. That's right. So tell us what keeps you going. Well, actually going again. I um, I lived here from 89 to 92. I, I always loved country music. I had a band in the 70s called um, Johnny Beige and the Double Knit Cowboys. Wow. <laughs> But uh, I came to Tennessee, and I thought I could write country songs, and they told me that I asked too much of the listener. We want dumb music here, but it seems to have changed a bit. So I went into computer business for 12 years up in Oregon, and quit that about two years ago and got back to doing what I love best. You were a systems analyst, weren't you? Yeah. Uh, what, uh, what systems? What kind of computer systems? I was an Oracle guy. I did databases, yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a programmer analyst. That's what I do, yeah. So let me ask, you've played so many years and so many shows. What stands out that embarrassed you that you did? Mm. I decided uh, this winter to learn to play guitar finally. So I went out with a trio with no lead guitar. And I played great all night. 
till I got to the solo of Jenny, I cannot play that solo. <laughs> I just need a guitar player to come on. I, my solo and Jenny was at the uh, this big festival last summer. It's, of course, every mistake is now on YouTube, so you can go out there and see it. It's one of the low points of Western music. Oh, my goodness. Where did you get your band members? I just run into them here in town. Man, this town's full of them, isn't it? Just go up and down Broadway. <laughs> uh, the lead guitar player plays in Robert's Western World, and he does all these 40s and 50s songs. Uh, he's awesome. He's good. Oh, you gotta go see him play. Kurt Brewer, I met. He's um, we're doing video together, and we're we're working on some bunch of video projects. And the other guys just kind of fell by. So you have like a favorite cities that you really enjoy playing. I'm really in love with Wisconsin now. The whole state, except they party so much there that they. When you're playing, there's so many shots on the stage, you have to dance around them. Yeah, but I'm a professional. <laughs> Your music is so soulful. Is there any other artists out there that you really like to have a collaborative effort with? There's so many people that I love from the soul days. I don't know. Was... I mean, I can hear you with Van Morrison real easy. That's me, you know. Well, Vance, and I never really tried to sound like Van. I just think we had the same record collection. It just comes out that way. <laughs> I don't know what he would think of me, but I'd love to meet him. We saw you with Starship, how you made a special appearance over at the Wild Horse Saloon, and you did Wild Nights, and that was great. I sing with them on their corporate party band sometimes, so. and I could do Wild Nights. You know, for 30 years I tried to learn Brown Eyed Girl, because I can sound just like it. I, and I can memorize any song out of a jukebox two times through, and I've never been able to memorize that song. It's, we do Here Comes the Night by Van, and I sang uh, Crazy Love to My Wife at our wedding. Oh, how long have y'all been married? Uh, a year and a half. A wow! A half. Impressive. We, we are still newlyweds. In fact, somebody was going to spend the week with us in our house. It's not big enough. Well, you know what? Uh, we're newlyweds. We can't have somebody in our house for a week and a half. <laughs> That's great. What's your most thankful for? I'm most thankful for um, the world coming around to someone as crazy as me can get by so I don't have to pretend to be normal. Because I look real normal, but I'm not. Tommy, thank you for taking the time out. Thanks for having me. Tommy Tutone! Go on and do what you're gonna do Yet I guess I got no hood on you He's with you now, I bet he's watching days don't take them to our special place. We all had a great time talking to all these artists. It was three different nights. One was the Memphis in May of this year. The Musicians Hall of Fame was last year. And the Tommy Two-Tone Charlotte Medley conversations took place at B.B. King's last year as well. But these were in our archives that I never got around to editing and putting together when we wanted to do it all together for you. So I hope you enjoyed the conversations with these artists. Log on to ConcertBlast.com and see what else we have to offer for you. Send us an email, ConcertBlast at gmail.com. And also, don't forget to check out my book, Concert Blast Experiences, which takes you through our many adventures, the embarrassments, the fun times, the excitement, and the sadness. Not too much of that. It was just a lot of funny stories. There's over 100 stories in the book. And I know if you get it, that you'll enjoy it. There's a link on ConcertBlast.com, and that link will lead you right to how to order the book. In the meantime, this is Mike Arnold signing off. And for Brian, Tom, and even James, God bless you, and we'll see you again. I want to thank you. For let me be myself.
again. I get the bow. <laughs> you get the low bow. How low can you go?